Good evening, Crypt Keepers, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 15 of Cryptique. We are streaming out into the ether from the Loading Bar Studios in the heart of Cardinal Nation, St. Louis, Missouri. With me as always on this endeavor into the supernatural is the only non-criminal I know who uses burner phones on the regular. Ryan, what's up? Tell us about (laughs) your phone-switching fetish. I do change phones quite a bit. (laughs) I feel very seen right now. (laughs) I have in a single year switched phones 14 times, not including like what we would call burner phones. And I do use a burner type phone for work purposes. Oh, yes, you do. And I actually dream, dream of putting my sim in one of those punked MPO2s or whatever, the like super minimalist Mm-hmm. Like basic phone that's just a phone because old people can't learn how to use new phones. <laughs> I am so. I don't think that's the point of. I think that one's more of like a, a statement, a fashion thing. Mm-hmm. But I am so tired of my phone. <laughs> I it's not a good look. But uh, the other day I was so I was just like walking through the kitchen and my kitchen there like the edge of the kitchen is, is a lot of people's houses probably do there's there's a banister and the stairs to the basement are there mm-hmm. and i was walking through that area and my phone must have been buzzing every 15 seconds and i just pulled my phone out of my pocket whoop, tossed it down the stairs it's carpeted so the phone actually didn't break but i kind of wish that it had i just, just couldn't take it anymore man but how are you doing back spasms other than that, I'm doing great. So, listeners, if you hear me grunt or anything during this episode, it's because my back is, like, all twisted up and all that good stuff. But you know what? It's going to take more than that to keep the truth from you guys. We would love it if you guys and gals would tell a friend about the show. Think of all the interesting conversations you could have. You can also send us case suggestions at crypticpodcast at gmail.com. That's C-R-Y... E-T-I-Q-U-E podcast at gmail.com. And that sounds like a long email address, but you'll get used to it. Send us some good stuff and we'll cover what you guys want to hear. And with that out of the way, what are we talking about tonight? We are talking about Helltown, Ohio, bitches. That's right. Hell yeah. <laughs> or the way you want it uh, emphasized. No, that's that's perfect. <laughs> So tell us about Helltown. Helltown is a specific area within the Boston Townships that borders the Cuyahoga Valley National Park. Cuyahoga. In fact, Cuyahoga. Where'd you get Cuyahoga from? I don't know. You're thinking of hookahs. Helltown is a specific area within the Boston Townships that borders the Cuyahoga... Cuyahoga? <laughs> God damn. Which is it? Hoga? Cuyahoga. God, now you got me thinking hookah. Helltown is a specific area within the Boston Townships that borders the Cuyahoga Valley National Park. In fact, it is one of the original Boston communities, originally named Boston Village. It found its new name as a result of the mass eminent domain seizure of homes in the region during the mid-1970s. The large number of vacant homes and other derelict buildings, a few disappearances, and word spread that Helltown was home to a satanic cult. There are so many urban myths, folklore, and paranormal locations in Helltown, Ohio, that it's difficult to know where to begin. So what happened in Boston, Ohio, that gave it the Helltown moniker? 
When it comes to spooky myths and actually confirmed events, you can take your pick of why the place in Boston Township, Ohio received such an ominous name. Boston was first established in 1806 and is the oldest town in Summit County. And just to be clear, we are talking about Ohio. Obviously, Boston is Boston, and it's known throughout the world and all that, but, you know, there's other places called Boston, too. So, for 168 years, it was a relatively quiet town that didn't make national headlines. That was until 1974, when the National Park Service decided the township was perfect for their needs. Those needs were the preservation of national forest lands, allegedly. <laughs> Cuyahoga National Park was established in the area and the NPS had full jurisdiction to buy up the properties of whoever they saw fit to do so. Many residents were unhappy about being forced to up and move away from their homes. The houses were quickly all boarded up and large, no trespassing signs were plastered over the Boston Township grounds. And no trespassing signs really just should say, I dare you to trespass, right? Because right. it stops no one who wants to trespass. It's almost more of a tease, like, hey, there's something in here we don't want you to see. Come on in. Right. Over the years, people would, of course, ignore the signs and venture into the desolate town. They'd find messages drawn, scribbled, and carved into the houses. One such piece of graffiti read, Now we know how the Indians felt. So, we'll talk about that, but it's interesting because the Native Americans were basically run out of town and, you know, it was taken over by settlers and then the same thing happened to the settlers. So the irony is not lost on us, but there's something undeniably creepy about a ghost town. And naturally, Boston started becoming the home to several urban legends and spooky stories. You want to tell us about the evacuation? Yes. The evacuation of Boston, Ohio in 1975 was only the beginning. Another huge scandal that would occur some 11 years after the town was shut down would only help further those tales. The NPS had acquired the Kretschke Dump in 1985 and several park rangers who patrolled the area would complain of falling ill. Some of the rangers then developed visible rashes all over their bodies, which spurred the need for an investigation and assessment of the area. The results of various tests of the area were horrifying. As it turns out, companies were illegally dumping tons of toxic waste in the area, and it was deemed a Superfund site as a result. Okay, so to protect public health and the environment, the Superfund program focuses on making a visible and lasting difference in communities, ensuring that people can live and work within them. So, this is like a government oversight, I guess, that took over as a necessity, because I don't think that the parks department would be equipped to deal with tons of toxic waste. The NPS, as of 2015, was still working on fully cleaning up Kretschy and the true extent of the environmental damage that was inflicted on the land is still not known. In addition to the real-life horrors of mass evacuations and toxic land poisoning, some urban legends not wholly rooted in reality or truth started becoming associated with the land. What is the number one activity that takes place in these towns or places or parks that is associated with the paranormal. Satanists. Let's talk about the alleged Satanists in Helltown, Ohio. And keep in mind that 
a lot of this would have been kind of popping up, I guess, right before like the satanic panic started. And we'll talk about the satanic panic on another episode, but basically that is kind of mass hysteria. Yeah, but is it? Well, it's is it hysteria if if some of it's true? It's basically like what the news does mm-hmm. when they say that people are putting stuff in your kids candy at Halloween. Yeah. Like maybe it happened once. In real life, the candy thing happened once and it was done by the parent. Right. And they were caught. Of the kids who got it. But it's one of those things that, you know, people get a hold of and it just spreads and snowballs and gets way out of proportion. So basically, in the early 80s, everything that was bad was kind of blamed on satanic worship or Satanists. So we'll just we'll just jump into this. Basically, the satanic panic was kind of a thing where police blamed a lot of stuff on satanic activity and you know just because somebody spray paints a star with a circle around it doesn't mean that there's devil worship and human sacrifice taking place people write things on the inside of bathroom stalls like call sarah for a good time and they have leave you know their friend's phone number to fuck with them or whatever doesn't mean that they are running a prostitution ring you know what I mean? It's it's yeah. kind of stuff being blown out of proportion. So the belief that Satanists inhabited the hell town may have begun with the abandoned buildings, but it didn't end there. The story grew until the Satanists were said to be sacrificing animals by night in the local Presbyterian church. The church itself doesn't help refute the story. It's a creepy old building built facing a fork in the road and exactly the sort of place children make up stories about. If you're listening to this podcast, there's probably a good chance that you've visited a place that's allegedly haunted or a park that's supposed to have Bigfoot or a place that has ghosts or something like that. And it, it kind of seems like that's what's going on here. It's it's just a tool to scare people. You bring your kid brother out for the first time and you guys are going to a place to you know maybe have a drink and have a bonfire or something like that and then big brother's like oh they didn't tell you about the little kid that got stolen from right here he looked just like you anyway there's of course the satanist stories in Helltown, which only makes sense but tell us about something else yeah you get the mutants buddy sorry <laughs> As if Satanists weren't bad enough, the Helltown, Ohio myths take a definite turn towards the weird when you start hearing about the Helltown mutants. There are two origin stories to the myth. One tells that a chemical plant exploded, and another tells that there was a massive illegal chemical dump in Cuyahoga River, right? In the Cuyahoga River. Duh, Cuyahoga River. There are two origin stories for the myth. One tells that a chemical plant exploded, and another tells that there was a massive illegal chemical dump in the Cuyahoga River just upstream from the area known as Helltown. These stories led to a massive 30-foot python, which you would think somebody might have caught on film by now, to a single hiker caught in the chemicals that mutated into a sort of half-human superpowered monster. Now hold on just a second. I have a question mm-hmm. for you. So, you meet the devil at the crossroads just like Robert Johnson in the Robert Johnson episode. Mm -hmm. And she says, hey, if you let me make you look like a mutant, you know, like we'll say the guy from Goonies, (laughs) I will give you a superpower. 
what superpower would it take for you to look like the guy from Goonies? Oh my god. I don't think I'd do it. No, I don't I don't know what superpower would look cool if I looked like sloth. Unless it was like, hey, you can make yourself look like anything. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, unless it yeah, I don't think the power to would. pick whatever phone you wanted whenever you wanted. <laughs> whatever new burner. That's right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think anything would. I don't know. I don't know what superpower I would want. Well, there's a lot of superpowers you'd want. I mean, maybe. I think, uh, well, I don't know. The most, probably just practical one would be either super speed or telekinesis. Oh, yeah. Telekinesis would be cool. I think telekinesis might be where it's at. Yeah. Because if you had super speed, like, you still have to do all the stuff. You're just doing it faster. Yeah. And then you have to worry about your metabolism. Like, your metabolic and anabolic rates should be faster. So are you going to age faster? Like... There could be other problems or complications from that. You could do like the boys and accidentally like run through somebody if they step out of the, you know, off the curb or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, but yeah, just being able to like use the force to, you know, when I drop something behind a cabinet and I can't get at it, just levitate it back out. That'd be pretty cool. Is the hero or whatever Quicksilver doesn't, he has to eat like a pizza like every 20 minutes or something, doesn't he? I don't know about Quicksilver, but the Flash, yeah, it's there. There are jokes in the comics and the cartoons where he like goes to a hot dog stand and he's just like, "Give me everything you have." Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's got like his arms just totally full. He's like, "I have to eat, you know, fifty thousand calories a day." Well, and just think, you know, you'd have super speed to get stuff done, but you'd need it because you'd be spending hours in the bathroom every day. <laughs> I'd rather just do things at a regular human pace and only have to spend an hour and a half or two a day in the bathroom. <laughs> hour and a half, yeah. <laughs> All right, tell us about the Peninsula Python. Well, that was my nickname in high school. Oh, uh, but the Peninsula... <laughs> well played, sir. Thank you. The Peninsula Python, a gigantic snake that wanders Helltown's woods for food of the human sort, is said to live in the river, while the mutant hiker is said to live in a small abandoned house in the woods. So, before we go on, I'm sure that our listeners are very bright, otherwise they wouldn't be listening to these kind of topics that we talk about that are, you know, interesting and kind of thought-provoking, but just in case you're not really familiar with the animal kingdom... It gets super, super cold in Ohio, and snakes do live in Ohio, but they, you know, they have to basically hibernate, and a python, a a giant snake living in that region just wouldn't make sense in the animal kingdom, because it would have to, I guess, hibernate for five months out of the year, but in any case, you know, snakes can live there, but we, as far north as Missouri, um, and, and even well south of Missouri, generally aren't conducive to big snakes. Now, there's a problem in Florida with people releasing pythons and boas and stuff like that, and the environment, like in the swamps, is absolutely perfect for them, and they flourish and reproduce and all that, but... Sorry, but the Peninsula Python's probably not true. But kind of a cool story. Yeah. Sorry to cut in. Go ahead. (laughs) 
The truth behind these is that there has never been a chemical plant in the area and the chemical spill rumor may have come from the 1985 discovery of toxic waste being dumped. But we can't just rule out toxic poisoning or anything because we know that it's a fact that this stuff was there. Right. And maybe a chemical plant exploding is sexier than, hey, these guys are hiding toxic waste in this forested area. But Right, right. The dump was discovered when a hiker in the park became ill after touching something coming out of some rusted drums at the abandoned Crutchy dump. At least that part of the Helltown urban myth is true. Also true is that the hiker later died in a hospital nearby. So there's not a sloth-looking hiker with telekinesis wandering Helltown? Is that what you're telling me? That's what it sounds like. Breaking news, folks. There is not a deformed hiker with telekinesis wandering the woods of Helltown. So... What else do they talk about? How about a crybaby bridge? Every place has to have a crybaby bridge, right? Sure. Seems like it. The Helltown crybaby bridge is a different matter. Although many have reported the sounds of a baby crying, the most notable occurrences on the crybaby bridge are of a physical sort. Reportedly, if you leave your car, you'll return to find it surrounded by children's footprints and sometimes handprints on the window. Now, we have heard stories about how you put your car in neutral somewhere, right? Mm. And it's usually a dusty road, and these ghost children will push your car across the railroad tracks, or they'll push your car up a hill, which is usually some sort of optical illusion that makes it look like you're going up a hill when you're really on level ground or you're you're heading downward and when you touch your car you leave oils right Mm -hmm. i mean if you go to your window right now and you put your hand flat on the window and take it off you'll be able to see a handprint and generally in my opinion and i think most people's opinion what happens is when you're on a dusty road this dust will stick to those spots of oil where your hands have been making it appear as though there's handprints that magically appeared when in reality it was just the dust sticking to the handprints similar to the way fingerprint dust sticks to fingerprints that's my take on it anyway but more importantly if you leave your car unlocked with the keys in the ignition you'll return to find it running there aren't many details to the origin story of helltown crybaby bridge just that a child was thrown from its edge and died below which is most often the case with all crybaby bridges so after the break ryan is going to tell us all about the highway to hell and the end of the world we'll tell you all about it after a quick break Welcome back to Cryptique. The Highway to Hell is in fact a nickname for a specific stretch of Stanford Road in Helltown, Ohio, where the road enters a steep decline on a wooded hill. The road also narrows significantly at the entrance of the woods, creating a sharp drop-off, and at the end of the road, not visible from the top, is a barricade known as the End of the World. Today, the portion of the Highway to Hell where it enters the woods is closed to vehicle traffic. However, it wasn't always the case. 
Helltown legend has it that the road was once a popular target for cutthroats and thieves. Given the lack of visibility, the steep inclines and twists in the road causing drivers to slow considerably, the myth was that cutthroats would wait in the woods and hijack those driving by. The ghosts of their victims are said to be heard moaning from the surrounding woods throughout Helltown. And that could just be couples parking in their car. So. Yeah, a little nookie-nookie in the woods. A little, little moaning here and there. <laughs> so, interestingly, to kind of, I guess, go along with this a little bit, there is a road that I used to have to take to drive my daughter to middle school. And it is very strange the way the wind acts in that area. I don't know why, I don't know how the geography of the land causes this, but you pull on to about a quarter mile stretch of road and it feels different and there is always like kind of an ominous wind blowing through there and you can hear it in your car with the windows up and obviously with the windows down but it's not likely that there's zombies moaning in the woods in this Mm -hmm. populated area but geographically there are things that cause you know weird sounds of wind and and things like that and it's very possible that that's where this moaning or whatever is is being heard from but any case you want to hear about the uh school bus i'd love to hear about it (laughs) all right the helltown highway to hell myth certainly didn't diminish when one day in the mid-1980s an abandoned school bus was discovered along the road While there are certainly numerous reasonable possibilities for how the school bus got there, you have to admit it has a certain creepiness factor to it. And this is Helltown, after all. This was made worse when residents of the area began reporting that they had seen a man, presumably living in the bus, which by that time was scheduled for removal by the county. The authorities put the bus under observation to deter vagrancy, but each night the shadow of a man smoking a cigarette in the bus would appear, and the bus would be found empty when the posted officers investigated. And just to be clear, in my opinion, there's ghosts all over the place. So just because Helltown may or may not be an extremely eerie, haunted area, it doesn't mean that this bus didn't really have a ghost in it. Yeah. You know, a lot of this stuff I think is, is just urban legend, but you know, it's very possible that there was a, a ghost staying in the bus. I mean, after all, if you spent, you know, 40 years of your life driving a school bus, that's the place you'd want to retire to. Right. (laughs) Yeah, sure. (laughs) Now, what about the mother of sorrows cemetery? Despite that Mother of Sorrows is the English translation of the cemetery's proper name, Mater Delarosa Cemetery has become the standard name by which it's called in most tales of Helltown, Ohio. The cemetery is about as eerie a cemetery as you'll find. Entirely hidden within the Cuyahoga Valley National Park just east of the peninsula, Mother of Sorrows Cemetery has been abandoned for the last 50 years and is now just a scattering of 20 or so tombstones in the forest. So there's not really any paranormal stories that are different than any other cemetery but you know you've got to throw it in there because every cemetery is probably haunted to a certain extent i would think but maybe if i was haunting something i wouldn't hang around the cemetery though no now where would you go if you died today and you were trapped here you had to walk wherever you needed to go 
where would you go? I would say a movie theater. Yeah, sure. I could see that. Because you don't have to pay for tickets or anything anymore, but there's not much out worth seeing right now. That's very true. I don't know what I would do. kind of a ghost town in the theaters. I'd probably... I would almost definitely just hang around and screw with people. (laughs) I... So I love, like, abandoned stuff. Uh I love urban exploration. I love stuff like that. And I know areas at SIUE where I went to school where it felt like nobody had been there in 20 years, 50 years, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like Lovejoy library is fairly large. And there are these little corners that I used to find when I would do research, like, you know, just I'd have a pile of books and then, Oh, here's a weird random desk in this little corner of the third floor or whatever that. Yeah. And it's like, it smells like old books. It doesn't smell like anybody's been here in forever. And I just, I love stuff like that. I love these little hidey holes. So I'd probably like go haunt those and just make them worse for people. Or like there are tunnels that run under part of the campus too for delivering supplies and things like that. I would probably go to some of those. I would haunt pedophiles. Or (laughs) I would uh, pop up on computer screens like those jump scares they used to do where they'd be like, look, you know, closely at this and they'd be playing, you know, like soft music and then all of a sudden Reagan from The Exorcist pops up and there's a big scream right. I would do something like that Pranks. or like that car commercial thing that people used to pass around where it's the same thing like you see this car driving through these hills and like a zombie pops up in front of the camera I haven't seen that one but I'll look it up alright so the Quaker Cemetery it's said that the Helltown Satanists we explained earlier are buried on these grounds in unmarked graves but the more notable spirits are those of Michael Raleigh, whose face is said to appear in his tombstone when it rains or in the reflections of moonlight and Thomas Cody whose spirit wanders the woods of Helltown at night and can be sometimes seen peering out at nighttime visitors so that's kind of scary but I almost feel like they're saying that Michael Rowley and Thomas Cody were Helltown Satanists. And I, I would hate to, you know, associate somebody's name with satanic activity who was completely innocent. I think that just kind of runs along with the kind of urban legend lore of the area. And whenever you can add names to a story, it adds a little bit of legitimacy. So I think that's maybe why these guys are kind of thrown in there or it could be that you really do see their faces and their tombstone and uh, spirit in the woods so I don't know but to me it seems kind of you know like another urban legend but yeah it's an oddly specific one too Mm -hmm. and we haven't been there but I would love to take a trip there you can go there it's not closed off despite the chemical spills your government doesn't care that much about you that they would say no there's chemicals in the area you can't go in there like yeah go ahead check it out see what you can find all right what's next depending on who you ask there are two abandoned structures in the helltown woods that play the part of the infamous cabin in the woods the story of the cabin in the woods tells that somewhere in the forests of helltown there is an abandoned residence that when approached a heavy fog will set in sealing it off from the outside world and making it impossible to navigate the terrain some claim that the cabin is a specific house not far from the highway to hell however this house has recently been restored and is currently the residence of a family of four 
The other structure is pointed to as the Helltown Cabin in the Woods and is actually a barn. The barn, of course, pulls in the satanic cult myths from before, but also includes from time to time stories of red eyes that appear in the fog. The fog itself is actually a reality, and although it ups the Helltown creepy factor by about a thousand degrees, it is in fact perfectly natural. Cuyahoga Valley National Park is home to one major low-lying river, about a dozen smaller offshoot streams and creeks, and more ponds than you could count. Under very common circumstances, the Helltown forests are covered in fogs put off by these waterways. So I think what we're seeing is kind of a perfect storm of urban legends. Yeah. Every, I mean, Helltown has everything, right? Everything. We'll, we'll talk about a little bit more, but at the end, I think we should talk about what's missing because it ain't much, right? Yeah. There have been a number of visitors to Helltown that reported being chased by a hearse. And as it turns out, there was once a resident of Helltown that owned a hearse, which you would think that most towns that were big enough to have a funeral home would have a hearse. I can't imagine any of the towns that I've been to don't have hearses, but in any case, it's part of the urban legend, so we'll talk about it. I'm sure he didn't appreciate the constant attention when people started accusing him of chasing them in it, and that would be kind of creepy. You know, you, you see a hearse, especially, you know, like a Ghostbusters hearse. Yeah, the old school, like, 50s Cadillac look. Yeah. Yeah, something like that chasing you down. And, you know, we've seen that. Speaking of Scooby-Doo, you know, people getting chased in hearses. Yeah, it's a cliche or a trope. A cliche, yeah, trope. There was allegedly a place called the Athens Lunatic Asylum in Helltown, which, of course, every great urban legend has a lunatic asylum somewhere, right? All of these places, including Zombie Road that we've talked about, uh, actually has or has had at some point a lunatic asylum or what we would call, you know, a mental health facility. Zombie Road, where I grew up, there actually was a long-term mental care facility, I think would be what you would call it. And uh, there was one time where a, I think a bloody like hospital gown was found in the woods and of course you can imagine the stories that arose when that had been found so mm -hmm. there's also a set of rail tracks that runs through Cuyahoga Valley National Park and it's said that where the tracks cross the Cuyahoga River the headless phantom of an early 1900s train conductor can be seen by the water beside the bridge no word on how he lost his head there's really no backstory here just a headless train conductor hanging out by the river in Helltown as you do as you do. Yeah, I mean, what else are you going to do? <laughs> you can't see where you're going. Right. You know what I mean? It's not like your nipples turn into eyes and you just <laughs> walk to wherever you want to go. You like that Guillermo del Toro monster thing, the one that has the hands, <laughs> right. the hands with the uh, eyes in the palms? Oh, yeah, that was scary. Uh, we're talking about... Labyrinth? Pan's Labyrinth or something like that? Yeah, Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, that's a pretty, pretty cool movie. It's not unbelievable but it's pretty neat and especially for the time it was very like visually remarkable maybe yeah i should just let you talk you have so much better descriptions than i do <laughs> anyway lastly the same barn mentioned earlier is often included in another legend that tells of a slaughterhouse where numerous versions of quote bad things happened mm -hmm. and yeah i mean bad things happen in a slaughterhouse you know we all love a hamburger or chicken, whatever, turkey sandwich, but 
it's not pretty what happens and that's why it's kind of kept separated from all of us so a slaughterhouse is a slaughterhouse bad things happen but there's no record of anyone actually being tortured killed you know dead bodies being stored or anything like that but locals telling these myths will also tell of the stench that seems to come and go and the whispering voices that accompany it tell us about the tree (laughs) it's rumored that the trees stationed in the cemetery tend to move around on their own there are also tales that link the mobile trees to satanic cult activity so these are apparently trees that just move around walk around I, i think we both talked about our religious beliefs enough for people to know that we're anti-satanic but i think if i was a satanist and i was trying to conjure something up for myself i i really think that you know most satanists that do practice rituals or ritual magic or anything are probably are looking for things that we would consider to be very shallow like hey i really want to win the lottery satan can you help me out or hey lucifer this chick in my third hour is hot. I really want her to get moved, you know, her seat to get moved next to mine or something like that. I just, I can't imagine like Aleister Crowley being like, <laughs> rubbing his hands together. Like we've got to get these trees to move. They're just sitting there. What the fuck? We need moving <laughs> trees. Let's make this happen. Right. But what else is there? <laughs> I'm thinking about Austin Powers now. Where Dr. Evil's talking about his father, and he's like, he would, he would accuse chestnuts of being lazy. <laughs> he talks about how his father was, like, crazy. Yeah, trees. Come on, trees, move. Absolutely. And then, of course, who else would go to this area to hide out? Well, serial killers, of course. Of course. Where there are ghosts, demons, and evil spirits, there must undoubtedly be serial murderers. There are stories about serial killers waiting on the end of the world road. Usually the stories include a killer wielding an axe. Sometimes the legend talks of a serial killer from the past whose ghost is now roaming the woods. Alive or dead, the supposed murderer is never caught. Now, all this being said, all this that we've covered as kind of a fun topic doesn't mean that it's not haunted. It doesn't mean that there's not bear. There could be a wild boar, perhaps. Probably venomous snakes in the summer. So there is inherent danger anytime you walk into the woods. Mm. But the totality of everything that we've covered, to me, takes away from the possibility that any of it was real. Now, if I came across a story, and I have come across stories where, you know, parents have thrown their children to their deaths, if that was the story and we could verify it, then I would say, yeah, maybe there's there's a real crybaby bridge and, and the place is really haunted. But I think the fact that it's kind of like a little kid telling a story you know they start off like well i rode my bike to the park and then at the park i was playing on the swings and then i jumped off the swings and then i realized i could fly so i flew to the back of the 
park where I saw a Bigfoot and the Bigfoot was riding a dinosaur and he pointed out a pterodactyl. You know what I mean? It just add, the more you add, the less credible it becomes in my right. opinion. Right. But, you know, like I said, that doesn't mean that it's a safe place to go and it doesn't mean that it's not haunted and the chemical burial issue is a real thing that's verified and that's really evil in itself to think that a company corporation whatever would and we know they do say you know what i'm not going to worry about the environment I'm not going to worry about keeping people away from this dump site. I, it's just so much cheaper if I just buy 20 acres at the back mm-hmm. of this park and we bury all our shit there and hope nobody finds it. Yeah, why would I dispose of it properly when there's a perfectly good abandoned town right here? For the most part, people probably stay out. But, you know, the more that you add to a story, sometimes the less credible it becomes. So, you know, we're not... You know, if if you're out there and and you've experienced something in Helltown, shoot us an email. We're not saying that there's absolutely nothing going on there. We're just saying that this multitude of things that we're talking about probably aren't all accurate. Right. Do you have any final thoughts on that? No, I don't. I agree with you, though, that the extent of these stories and kind of the specificity of what people have seen mm-hmm. makes it um, tough. Yeah. But the idea of seeing the shape of a man like smoking a cigarette or whatever, like I'm assuming you would see like the silhouette with the amber mm-hmm. or whatever. Like that's that. What yeah. That sounds feasible mm-hmm. and creepy. Like I like the idea that I can totally buy that somebody saw that at some point or the police were camped out watching for somebody and we're seeing that in this old bus or that people have seen what looked like a headless figure, but I don't know. They're a little bit too specific and I don't totally buy the ones where it's like, if you go this time to this spot, you know, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. I did look up a couple sites that talked about the man in the bus and never did I hear anything about people smelling cigarettes, which is a common theme in ghost hunting. You hear about this lady died of tuberculosis in this room and and her favorite scent was like rose petals and, and you can smell the rose petals. Or grandpa used to smoke a pipe in the den and he died a couple of years ago and now we're smelling pipe tobacco that sort of thing and you know if you're not a smoker you can tell when somebody's smoking within you know 100 feet of you i mean right. you can smell it that was never brought up which i i found detrimental to the possibility that it could be real but you know we're open to anything shit there could be an alien base hidden underneath that place for all we <laughs> know and some of this stuff could be real and the powers that be put out other things to make it seem as though you know none of this could actually be happening so that's always a possibility too let us know what you guys think it would be a fun place to go check out you know just like you said for you know the urban exploration or in this case you know rural rural or suburban exploration it would be fun Mm -hmm. so That's all we've got for you on Helltown, Ohio, and we should mention it's free and legal to go into Helltown to investigate on your own, if you want. 
it's about 30 minutes outside of Cleveland. So, you know, hey, you're going to visit the Rock and Roll Museum, maybe go check out Helltown. Yeah. What do we want? That's what you guys are probably asking yourself. <laughs> what do these guys want? We want you to tell a friend about the show. Check out Movie Hell and Exploring Evil and email us at crypticpodcast at gmail.com. Good evening, Crypt Yeah, we were talking about uh, cults, mm-hmm. and I was thinking about uh, the Church of Satan. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with it? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because I met some people who were like, who were members of it, mm-hmm. including I think a friend of mine's dad, who's a Lutheran minister. Because mm. they're just into the the ideas of it, because it's like very much not what people think. Mm-hmm. I just love it. I, I love the stuff that they do. They're like, they're just taking the piss out of everything. Like when there's, when schools were starting to add like religious iconography and stuff like that, then the church of Satan came in and be like, Hey, what about us? Like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to donate this pretty dope Baphomet statue to your school. <laughs> so the well, our thing can be represented too. I, I think it's in Oklahoma. There is a Baphomet statue outside of a courtroom. Crazy, huh? Yeah, I think I've heard of it. I'm not sure if I've seen it. But yeah, they have like 11, 11 satanic rules of the earth. Like, do not give your opinions or advice unless you are asked. Do not tell your troubles to others unless you are sure they want to hear them. You know, uh, do not make sexual advances unless you're given the mating signal. Do not complain is, about anything. To, <laughs> do, not, do not complain about anything to which you need not subject yourself. Like... It's it's like the stuff that they do is very much just like a a joke that it's a church, mm-hmm. but it's like an intellectual club. Yeah, I, I dig it. Yeah, I mean, talking about you know satanic panic, and, and we should do a show on it. But you know, there's things that I've heard where, gosh, there's this. Uh, I'm sure it's a YouTube video you can look up. I saw it on you know, like World's Dumbest or Tosh.0 or something like that, Mm. where this detective is telling you how to decide if a crime scene is inherently satanic or not. And so, you know, this is like a 55-year-old dude who's totally out of touch. He looks like he has a train set in his basement that he plays with. But (laughs) no, there's a woman in a bikini tied up that has pentagrams on her breasts on the uh, swimsuit, which was funny. And he's like, "Uh, you will often find a pentagram carved into the victim's stomach. And it's like, this is just fucking TV show shit, dude. This isn't uh, legitimate investigation. It seems like if I was like a serial killer in the 80s, Dude, I would just make everything look satanic. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, they'd be mm-hmm. like, oh, it's Satanist, it's Satanist, it's Satanist. And they'd be like, oh, it's not him. He's not a Satanist. But there's also some facts that are kind of disturbing. Like, we talked, well, we didn't talk about, but uh, you know about the whole satanic panic kind of started from the school where kids 
were saying that, you know, they had been abused, right? We talked right, about yeah. this on another episode. And they were actually, I think two of the like 13 kids, we'll say 13 because, you know, it's a satanic number. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually showed signs of abuse. Like they showed signs of molestation. And people just totally disregarded everything because a lot of the kids said that they were taken to the basement, right? Mm-hmm. And there's no basement. So it's all got to be made up. But then like 20 years later, somebody bought the building and found that there's actually a big tunnel underneath the building. Hmm. So this was something that I guess was missed or passed over or not even cared about by investigators. But anytime there's something as big as satanic panic, there's fire somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like maybe 80% of it was not true or was a a form of mass hysteria. But that is something that I put more on the backs of investigators because it was easy for them to be like, oh, look at me. I'm so-and-so and and I investigated this case and I'm in the newspaper and I'm going to write a book about, you know, Satan, satanic murders in the U.S. and and a lot of like power plays and stuff like that. And unfortunately, the real crimes and the, the real victims seem to get uh, lost in the fold somewhere. Mm-hmm. That's coming up, baby. We're going to do a, a <laughs> story on the truth behind Satanic Panic. So. Yeah, that would be a good one. Yeah. And then like the, uh, the other. So the Kronos visor is something that that I've heard about. Uh, in the past where the Vatican apparently has this thing that you put on and you can actually it's it's not supposed to show you like you know like you can press a button and like go to the stock exchange and find out you know what stock blew up that year or whatever but it's some sort of like energy detecting device that can detect certain frequencies and stuff of different points in time so that's kind of cool. And then the weaponized insects, I actually was watching a Blacklist where this guy was uh, implanting some sort of like egg sacs or something in these people, you know, and, and he did it on the show just by like pouring something in someone's drink or whatever. But eventually these insects would hatch and they would eat their way out of the person. And uh, there's definitely a lot of uh, stories about weaponized insects like insects that were known to be infected with malaria were like let loose on a population somewhere to kind of eradicate them and get the land that they wanted for the gold or the oil or you know whatever the hell else was there so fun stuff nothing like looking into the darkness of the human soul (laughs) Now there's a tagline. That's right.